You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio. Your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. You are very welcome. I am Ahanu and this is my lovely Angel Rose. Today we have a special guest on all the way from Australia, but living in Wales. We're going to find out more about her in a few minutes, her background, her history, and how she got pregnant when she was 16. But until we get to that, let's give you an idea of what it is that we're going to discuss today. We'll be speaking with Margaret Gallagher, and Margaret is, uh, she's a well-educated person living in Wales for a good number of years, but is very concerned about the future of humanity. And we will let her go into detail and explain what it is that she proposes and what she has in her mind to help people. But it's important to frame it that we are entering into a difficult time for people on the earth in all kinds of different ways, whether it's climate change, whether it's economics, whether it's a financial collapse, whether whatever the reason is, whether it's spiritual upgrades or whatever, we need to hear what Margaret has to say and how she proposes that we may be able to help people who are not aware of what's going on. So, Margaret Gallagher, you are very, very welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm in my 70s. I um, came over to the UK with my husband in 1994, um, and I've lived here ever since. Um, he passed in, in the end of 98, so I've been flying solo for of a century now um and we met and married when i was 40. before that so life was an adventure tell us the story about how you got pregnant when you were 16. Oh, my my dad passed away when i was 15. and one of the people that came around to visit was a cousin from my side of the family my dad's side of the family and i'd known them forever and he was in my parents age group I, my father was much older person and um, he and my mum started seeing each other and within nine months they were married. He had two sons. One was the same age as me. I was straight out of Sunday school, innocent, completely naive. And these kids had lived in a fairly um, interesting neighbourhood and they were both very experienced. And within a few months we were hooking up, to use the common terminology, because he was the only person that would that I could talk to about having lost my dad because he'd lost his mum. Mum and I, like I was a teenager, I was dark at the time. And and I put a stop to it. But once the parents got married and we were living under the same roof, he thought he had conjugal rights and threatened me if I didn't give in. And on one of those occasions when I tried to fight him off, he forced me anyway, and I got pregnant. Oh, wow. Wow. He denied paternity. Um, nobody believed him. Um, and they actually, they knew what had happened and they wanted me to marry him. Because I was damaged goods, that's exactly what my mother said. Right. Now, that's interesting. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot there, Margaret. But the reason I asked you is because clearly it has framed your entire experience up to now. And it puts you in a position to be able to help others. So to a large extent, yes, because I've had to be self-responsible since, basically, since Dad died. There's not been anybody. In my, my mother would step in occasionally to help out. Yeah, I've been had to be self-responsible. I was kicked out when I was 18. Um, I was kicked out when I was 
Yeah, I was kicked out the first time I was 18, living in a boarding house, absolutely petrified. They let me come back again, and then they kicked me out again, and that was it. I've been by myself since then, and I had I was working, not earning enough money to feed myself for the whole week, so I had to go home for a few nights a week and see my daughter because she had to stay with them. Um, and it's just been that case all the way through. Whatever I've done, it's been off my own back because you just – I've always been a responsible person, and I've always – I was a clever kid at school and it used to break my heart that I never finished school. I dropped out. I was pressured to drop out because his kids had dropped out. And when I was in my mid-20s and by that time my daughter was living with me, um, they introduced a pension for single mothers. And so I instantly went on the pension, went back to school. I went to my old high school, got my matriculation, went to university and did a science degree. Eventually, it took me a while to get through because life stuff got in the way and I eventually finished it part-time so I went from <laughs> double chemistry in third year to psychology which was where I should have been which I didn't know at the time because it was dull um, but it's taken me then into working with people which was where I was meant to be which I didn't I had no clue about at the time I just wanted to get a better job with more money because I was sick to death of working for peanuts for people who couldn't tie their shoelaces <laughs> Back in those days, anybody who had a management job was a male. It didn't matter. I worked in offices where every woman had a degree and the blokes would be in the management jobs and they all were clueless. So I just needed to do something that was real. Yeah. Now you are doing something that's real. Tell us about what, what it is that you propose to help others in this, in this great time of change we're in. Okay. Well, just a little bit of extrapolation. From there, I worked with people for what, nearly 30 years. Um, during that time, my parent, my mother passed away, stepfather passed away first. Um, my husband passed away after seven years of marriage. So I have been through a whole lot of stuff, including poverty and drama and all that stuff. I moved up to London for a while, ended up homeless. So I kind of know what it's like to be standing in the middle of all this stuff and having to pull myself together and keep moving forward. And so I, I, that feeling of of everything dropping out of your insides because everything that you've ever known is gone and you have to keep going is a strong feeling. It's not something that troubles me now, but it's something I'm very aware of. And it occurred to me, you know, with all this thing that's going on now, um, with all the, the medical drama um, and people who are being made ill and getting killed by it are starting to wake up. But there's so much more going on behind the scenes that some of us know about and some of us don't. When that becomes apparent, and it looks very much like it's slowly seeping out, there are going to be a huge number of people who everything that they've believed in, everything they've built their life on, their personality on, or who they are in the world is going to completely disappear from out from under their feet. And it's going to be a humongous shock, not just a psychological shock, I think it's an energetic one as well. Because, you know, that feeling, like when you're a kid and you have a breakup, you get that feeling in your stomach like something's been ripped out. And I know when my husband died, like everything from here down for like it had disappeared. It was like there was a big hole inside me. And I know that now that it was an energetic because we were so deeply connected. Mm. And that kind of energetic connection to your whole life is going to be ripped away from people, lots of them, in a very short period of time. And I think those of us who have got some kind of an awareness of, of what 
is going on and what they're likely to expect need to be prepared for that and to be able to offer them help because what i'm seeing is a lot of folks saying oh well yabu suck serves them right with regard to the medical thing most of those folks don't know the rest of it um <clears throat> and people saying oh why don't they get up in their hind legs and do what the french are doing but the french i don't think have been had enough had the same level of mind management the rest of us have had, especially in the united states you guys have been buried in it it's been pretty bad here but i don't watch the news anymore oh, it makes me want to put my foot through the telly but you are inundated with all that sort of stuff and and people are they are hypnotized by it and it, and deliberately so it's it's there's an entrainment thing going on there I, I started hypnosis on the way through my journey through life and you, you if you see somebody tapping their foot regularly and they're talking you know they're trying to entrain people and it is a thing that they've been doing for years and years and years so these folks are, are hypnotized into their belief system and they can't break out of it the only thing that's going to break them out is this massive emotional and mental disconnect when everything disappears everything mm -hmm. they've believed in everything they've trusted it's all going to go down the pan and they will not know who they are which way is up or what to do there's going to be a lot of suicides there's going to be a lot of very angry people looking for somebody to get payback from and if there's anything the rest of us can do to help them to prevent that happening but also to help them to find themselves again i think we yes. should do our best to do that and one of the things i think is, is some kind of energy support energy healing energy and i i don't know what would work there's, there's lots of modalities out there and there's lots of people working as groups and i think it should be something that maybe people think about and experiment with to see if they can find a protocol that's going to help people well before you go into the detail about that margaret our own experience is is following that same path it's one of the reasons why we created the world of empowerment because we feel that a lot of people are disempowered in lots of different ways and they're dependent yeah. on the authority figures whatever form that takes it could be religious authority figures it could be political but whatever form it takes certainly a lot of people are dependent on that structure and and yeah. that's as you say crumbling but it's also interesting to note that when we were in Ireland around about 2010, 2011, we, we were familiar with the uh, suicide statistics at the time. And during that time, I think it was kind of leading up to 2012, there was a spike or what appeared to be a spike in suicides. The, the numbers were off the charts, but Ireland at the time was reporting them. When we got back to the United States, we asked the same questions. What are the statistics for suicide in the United States? And we found out that they were very much hidden, but mm. they were also off the charts. Mm. Now, I understand also that that is the case recently too, that they're off the charts. So, so, so tell us, how do you propose, what, what is it that's in your mind about how to energetically help people? <laughs> I, honest to God, I don't know. It, it, it feels like, how can I put it? It needs to be emotional, psychological support as well. But I just think because it's such a huge shock to your, it's like having all your chakras unplugged, from at least from here down. And that's what it felt like when John passed. And I'm sure you had a little bit of that when somebody got carted off in an ambulance recently. You feel it yeah. in your guts. It does. It feels like you've been... Yeah, it's horrible. And I think it is a real energetic thing. 
Now, yeah, I've done lots of different modalities of reconnective healing and, and all the other stuff, the Reiki and all that. But to be honest, I don't, that's a massive, massive thing to deal with. And, and I think we need to explore it. I think the community of light workers, healers, whatever you want to call it, I mean, you know, I just feel like a bit of a smoker calling myself a light worker, to be honest. I'm just me. But I'm, I'm here to be helpful in whatever way I can, whatever you'd call that. But I mean, there are some some scalar energy systems that might work. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, because I just worked through it. I mean, it took me a long time. But we want to, we don't want to make people go through that. We want to be able to help them, give them that first energetic first aid. But honest to God, I don't know. Short of right. people who've got the, either the equipment or the the wherewithal to experiment with it. Can we back up a little bit, Margaret? And can you share some of the things that you think um, people are going to find out about that are going to basically crush them? <laughs> we can do this, this on YouTube. Um, well, it's, uh, people, child, child trafficking, the wholesale abuse of children, sexually, organ harvesting, satanic ritual, the whole routine, and who's been doing it, which is pretty much anybody at the top of anywhere. Right, pretty much, yeah. Which is why, you know, you look around the world at some of the people who are in charge of governments and who are behaving completely illogical, illogically, and people have no clue why. And I mean, this is why because they're being blackmailed. If you don't do as you're told, blah blah blah. I mean, it's just. I mean, this is my opinion, of course. I have nothing to base that on, but I'm seeing information about it everywhere. And it's growing and growing and growing and growing. And some people have got concrete information. I don't. And yeah. so anything I say is just my opinion. I don't know for sure. But this is what I'm seeing and what I'm yeah. hearing, including from survivors. And yeah. when it comes out, it's going to be shocking. Well, I remember Angel Rose telling me a story about her mother a, a good few years ago. Her mother, you perhaps you could tell the story how she was um, very, very religious. And Angel Rose was a psychic, and her mother, her mother had difficulty absorbing the fact that her daughter was psychic. Tell that story about how you you didn't want to take, you didn't want to pull the rug from under her belief system. Remember? Oh well, that was basically information that Source sent to me because she was very religious, and I was not. You know, I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I kind of veered off the path um, in my 20s. So for her, um, you know, when I wrote my first wrote my first book about a time of change, I had an aunt who was sending me a book on exorcisms, right? I mean, she was convinced that I was demonically possessed and was yeah. handed me this book. And I read it, in fairness, I read it. And it actually had a lot of very interesting information, but it, it, it convinced me that I was not possessed, that, um, you know, Archangel Raphael had been teaching me at that point, and uh -huh. it just made me sure of who I was talking to. Fantastic. So, so, but with my mom, you know, she was always worried about my soul, and, and I took it personally because I felt that I was on the spiritual path, and by her kind of denying, you know, who I was, yeah. I took it personally. You know that this is this is me that you're that you're rejecting. Yes. yes. 
Well, I went to Source about it, and Source basically said to me that um, to only focus on the things that we did have in common. In other words, don't go there because her faith is who she is. Yep. Now, she, exactly. she recently raised yes. that. Her identity is connected to it now, and it would cause more fear in her if you just yes. pulled the rug out from underneath her and basically mm. told her that most of her beliefs were wrong. Yeah. But, but yes. the reason we raised that is because do you that's think exactly what I'm describing? Yes. Yeah, do you think that that's what's going to happen? Like when yes. truth comes out about yes. whatever, whatever, yes. that it will pull the rug from under people's belief systems and Absolutely. it will leave them, yeah, yeah, with nothing. Yeah, um, and have, having been there through bereavements and, and the homelessness thing, and, and you've got nobody and and you just have to pull yourself together and focus and just one foot at a time because you've got no other choice other than jump off something and i had cats so i couldn't because i'd look after them but yes you do you and a lot of people won't they won't know what to do they won't know to put themselves you know i mean some people go through a bit of that when their kids grow up and leave home or, or when they retire their purpose is gone but this whole thing it's going to take everything away everything yeah. Be off the cliff without a parachute and you can't see the bottom and it's terrifying absolutely terrifying the first emotion every emotion will be up here and the first one will be anger in any direction and 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 there'll be a hopelessness because they won't know what to trust what to believe in or what to you know well i th i think this brings us to the bigger problem of humanity and that is the authority problem Okay, the fact that we give all our power to authority figures from the get-go, yep. and this is what sets us up, you know, to you yeah. know, when you find out that your mommy and your daddy, quote unquote, whether they're government leaders or your actual parents or religious leaders, yep. okay, are are liars and aren't telling you the truth and are and in fact have disempowered you yep. for many, many years and are not moral, like they say, and you know, then you find out that you know you're crushed because you've built your identity upon them. You know, yeah, yeah, and, and that's I, a big thing. That's I a think, very big thing. Yeah, the problem is, is we need to learn how to be our own authority. You know, and I remember back in the day when I was on my metaphysical path, and you know, to have somebody say to me that I had permission not to believe somebody. You know. Like to say, you know, you don't have to believe them. You can say no. You can say that's not true for me. I, I remember feeling very liberated, like, oh yeah, that's true. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to believe everything I was told. You know, I I don't if I don't agree with it, I don't have to believe it. And and it is a process of reclaiming yeah. your own identity. And your own identity is your relationship with God. You know, I mean, yeah. that's who you really are. Mm -hmm. It's not about any human being. No, so I think, you know, when this happens with people, the problem they have is is they don't know how to be their own authority. Yes. Okay. And they don't know yes. what to be. They don't know what to do. Who do I go to? Who's going to tell me what to do? Mm. Yep. You know? But Mark, yes. in fairness, is, is trying to seek a solution for that devastation that people. Well, that's what I'm of. saying. Though. I know. But so what? what what is that solution? In other words, is it that people have to, how do people come into realizing their own identity? Like what are, are there steps that people can take that would help them? I don't think there's, there's a, 
I suppose there is a mind, but it's the initiatory process, really. I mean, we are, I mean, I think we've all been through some interesting times in our lives. I think a lot of our generation have, and it's been setting us up for now. So we've been through all that stuff as a, pro, as a progressive, excuse me, progressive thing, but these guys are going to have it happen all at once. And we're like Penny's Kundalini, but without the Kundalini, basically. Um, it's just everything's going to go, but yes. we've been able to accommodate it over time and we're totally socialised in our society to, tr if not necessarily trust the government, trust one particular party or another or one politician or another, to trust the medical system, trust the great God science. Don't get me started on that one. Um, <laughs> and we're totally socialised into that and it's drummed in everywhere. Most, I suspect you've had it called in, you've had your, you've had it called into question because of your spiritual situation. I imagine lots of things have happened in your life that have done the same thing for you, Ahonu. And for me, it's just been all the stuff through life. I learned very early on, after, certainly after Dad died, that I was the bottom line. I was my only best friend and I just had to get on with it. And so every I'm one of those people who has to learn everything the hard way. Um, yeah. and, and so I've been through all those steps and it's taken me 50-odd years. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you a little story, a per, very personal story of mine. And I'm, I'm hoping that it might in some way lead into a part solution, let's say. I remember, uh, if anybody has read my, my books, the uh, Healing from Grief series, a three-part series about the death of my first baby. He died on my birthday. And I remember very soon after that, uh, I, I was going through the very traumas that you're talking about, the the disbelief, the loss of incoherence, not knowing which way was up or down, not believing anybody about anything, just total, total confusion. And um, I remember there was an association in Ireland at the time called uh, the um, ISIDA. It was the Irish Association, Irish Sudden Infant Death Association, it was called. Yeah, 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 and they... They had a kind of a help system in place where you there was a, a couple whose baby had died would invited newly bereaved parents to their home. So here we were, I think it was like six or eight newly bereaved parents in the home of this these people, this couple. Now it turns out that this couple, their baby had died 28 years before. So the moment we arrived in, we felt, oh, there's a disconnect here. You know, that's too, it's too long ago. There, ours, our death is fresh. It's so fresh. It's like weeks, whereas they're talking about almost 30 years. So there was a bit of a disconnect there. And we felt very, all the parents felt very frustrated. And all the attempts at healing that this couple offered, it just didn't work. It, it was... Yeah. It, it, it was a total disconnect was the best way I could put it. Yep. I remember all yep. of us newly bereaved parents were kind of looking at each other saying, how do we get out of here? How do we mm. get out of this? Like, we, we, we've got to make an exit. And somebody suggested, <laughs> it wasn't me, but I was, <laughs> I was glad they did. They suggested, hey, there's a pub across the road. Let's all say that we have to go, it's getting late, it's getting dark, whatever, use any excuse we like, but we'll all meet over there in the pub. Now, here's what happened. And this is true as I'm sitting here. We made excuses. Oh, we got to go, whatever. 
and we all exited the house, entered the pub across the road. We were all sitting around a huge table. It was filled with pints of Guinness and every kind of drink you could think of. And we started drinking. And of course, the more we drank, the more loose we got with sharing our experiences. Now, I have to tell you, Margaret, that that little drinking session was the greatest release for all of us that we had ever experienced up until that. And it wasn't, it wasn't that we were drinking to drown our, you know, our hurt and our pain. That wasn't the case. We were very aware of what was going on. It just loosened our tongues enough to be able to not pretend that we were suffering, that we were struggling. Right. And in that way, we came away from that pub. I don't know. We were thrown out at closing time, but we all went home with the greatest sense of yeah. uh, of community, yeah. of, of sharing of pain, of release, of comfort that, that that couple could never possibly have given us. And that was a most beautiful experience. Now, I'm telling you that, Margaret, because it's like there's an institutional response to help. Yes. And You're quite right there. Yes, yep, yep. Yeah. One of the grass. It needs to be a grassroots thing. I totally it, understand. Because after I've looked after John for seven years and done everything, including wiping his backside and bathing the whole routine because he was so ill, I was almost on the floor and I had no support, nobody to talk to. A few years down the track, I was working for a neurological charity for a while and then I left there and I set, I st put together my own carers um, support training, you know, self-help pack. And I, I was doing trainings for them with their, with their carers. They'd have an event for the person with the illness and the carers, and they, they'd hire the carers off from the person, and they do something with the ill person people, and they do something with the carers. And there's a mixture of men and women all in their sort of 60s, 70s, 50s, and the guys are going, oh, I don't want to go. And they, but they came in because they got, basically got drags, dragged in. And I got up there and I started talking to them as somebody who'd been there. And I told them the things, some of the things I'd been through, and and it opened everybody up. And I got them doing a, a, a get to know you game that wasn't a stupid one. And then we talked about the real stuff, about the pain, the anger, the not being able to talk to people, all the stuff that you have to have been there or you have no idea what it's like. And by the time it finished, they had free cake and coffee afterwards, and nobody got up from the table. So we were all sitting there for another half an hour talking to each other sharing phone numbers and talking, telling their stories. And one of the guys came up to me and hugged me afterwards and he said, thank you. He'd never been able to talk about it before and he's made friends and he, he was really glad he got dragged in. So that's exactly what you mean. Yes, 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 yes. I'm yes. wondering in terms of, you know, a global response to what you're saying, I wonder is a global response one of community and, you know, awareness of our our connection, all of our connection, that we're all human and we all feel pain and, and suffer, but that we can also equally help each other from that heart place. Yes, 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 yes. I, if we can, the emotional side and the energetic side as well, because I think that's going to be big as well, more of a first aid for the energetic. But that's going to be the hard bit because most folks won't know what I'm talking about, what it's about. Right, right. But it, yeah, I'm, I know. Yeah. It's, 
<laughs> it's all going, oh, there's lots of things to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do like the community idea. That's really, I like that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But what we're talking about with Margaret is um, she's very concerned about the world and what's going to happen when people really get this explosion of truth about the things that have been going on in the world and the deception and the disgusting sexual stuff with children and all that, you know, that they're going to find out about and, you know, how you can't trust anybody, that not the churches, how we've been lied to forever. So she's concerned about how people are going to be able to handle that information. Right. So we're talking about what are some of the possible solutions that we could suggest or offer to people that would, might help them through basically shock is what we're talking about. Okay. Bereavement, but yeah. or grief. That's almost right. a global bereavement for themselves, their lives and, and everything that they thought was real. And I yeah. think, I think all of us are going to find that there's a bit of that, even no matter how much we might know, I think there's going to be things we don't know that are going to yeah. shock the rest of us as well. Yeah. So how do you think when you talk about the an energetic solution, how in what form does that take? Because like you said, many people won't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I know exactly, which is why I was kind of hoping to get have a, a short conversation with Penny to see if she had any visual things that yeah. she could see, see yeah. occur with other with people and what might what she thinks might help to rebalance them so that they can at least start from that being not a complete disaster, or whether you have to, just have to live through it. Right. Because I suppose well, her ability to see is, 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 is was kind of that little bit of extra info that would help inform what yeah. the next step. Otherwise, it's just going to be probably just a community. Let's do some healing. Let's do some talking, which is not a bad thing. But yes. I just yeah. that little bit of extra knowledge might make it, you know, give right. us a, a little bit well, of a leg I up. I know where you're going with this and I understand it because I went through that same journey. Like I said, yeah. I, I, um, I told you the story about going to the pub. Now that was only one aspect of it. So here's another aspect of it. I remember uh, an incident that I call now pigeonholing. So I was suffering from grief. I, like I said, didn't know what way was up. And uh, I remember somebody suggested that I go to see a doctor. So I did. I go to a doctor and the doctor tells me that, oh, you're suffering from depression. I'm going yeah. to prescribe some pills. Right. So yeah. armed, armed with that knowledge. Now, bearing in mind, we're talking about the authority problem. OK, so and I took at that point in time that this doctor must know what they're talking about. Okay. Uh -huh. I went back and I met some of my friends and I said, I'm sorted. I, I told them I, I'm suffering from depression. And mm. right. And I was actually delighted with myself that I had found what was wrong with me. Oh, bless and, you. Yes. Yeah. I'm serious. Like, I'm suffering from grief, but because of the grief, I don't know that it's grief. So I'm looking for some, like I called, yeah. I need to be pigeonholed. And this doctor tells me it's depression. And I'm delighted with myself. I'm suffering from depression. And <laughs> now, this is real. This is real. This is human. This is me. So. I went to the pill box and I remember opening it and I took out the first pill and it was double colored, you know, like purple on one side and red and whatever. And I remember looking at that and saying, that can't be the solution to my problem. 
Like, how can that be the solution to my broken heart? How can that? Now, I realized that its function may have been just to make me feel better temporarily, you know, or, or be as high as a kite for a short while, or maybe not feel physical pain for a short while until I got myself together. But I had to come to the realization that the solution wasn't in a pill and it wasn't a doctor. It had to be from inside me. It had to come from me understanding what was going on. So in terms of an energetic solution, Margaret, you know, to answer what you're proposing, I did look for energetic solutions. I learned Reiki. I learned uh, meditation. I learned various other, um, um, what do you call them, um, procedures, energetic kind of health, um, yoga. I did yoga for a number of years and all of that. And all of those things helped. Yes. But you know what the single biggest thing that helped me during that period of time was when I met Angel Rose. No, I, I don't want it. To, I don't want it to it's sound. It's all like, about me. No, you have to hear me out. I'm your new authority. No, hang on. You have to hear me out. I, I know it sounds like that, but I. No, please. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was. I, I, I said to her um, that I'm suffering from grief. And so I told her the story about my baby dying. And, and she said to me, do you not realize that your baby was his own intelligent soul and yes. knew exactly what he was doing? Now that hit me like a ton of bricks. Why? Because like as a parent, I wanted to think that I was responsible for my child as parents do, right? And you do, yes. Yeah, but I was not thinking spiritually. No. I was not thinking that my child and everybody else's child is on their own soul journey. That's right. Doing something. Yes. So when that hit me, it, it floored me actually to think that my baby might have had a soul contract to die just when he did on my birthday, perhaps yeah. to teach me something. And I realized what a loving thing that little guy did because what it did was it got me on a spiritual path. It got me understanding death yeah. for the first time ever. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yep. So, yep. so I did embrace all those um, um, modalities, like I say, Reiki and yoga and meditation and them all, because they all contributed. They all helped. But the, the energetic thing, balancing and the energetic healing of that energetic, because you're like you're plugged in together like that with somebody yes. that you love. But when they're pulled away, it's like you've got a bleeding stump of energy that where you were yes. connected and all that work helps with that. And it also raises your vibration. So that shakes loose all the crap so that it comes out. It's like when, the first time anybody goes for body work or for Reiki, they go out and sit in the car and cry their eyes out or they start crying on the table. That's what the start of that process. That start, was the yeah. start of my process three, yeah. three, four years after John died. Yeah. Was, I went for Reiki and I was a bucket of snot. I was just crying and crying and crying and crying. I barely yeah. drive home. But it was yeah. the start of a process. I wonder now, Margaret, that you say that. Is is all the 
trauma that we have experienced, not only in this life, uh, clearly it's a lot, but in past lives too, is all that grief and trauma and pain and suffering all leading up to now, to this potential, as you said, uh, shock that we're coming into to help us get through it? I think it's a couple of things. I think it's definitely that because it gives us that credibility because lived there is nothing like lived experience within the context of some kind of understanding and knowledge. But the other thing is I think we've been also healing the past, our, our generational past, so that the new generations that come won't be carrying any of that anymore and they will start fresh. So it's kind of both of those things is, is what I believe personally. Right. We're doing both of those jobs. And I do think we're starting fresh because this is a cleansing period. This is what Source told me is the great cleanse. Yep. Okay. And the great purification. And that's what we're going through. And all the takedown that you're seeing, all of the truth being exposed, the craziness that we're witnessing in people is all, all it's all a big purification. Because we can't, you know, we're, we're creating a, a different world and that world just, cannot have this stuff in it you know we yeah. can't have these the corrupt people in our lives anymore we can't have the lies we can't have the everything out for myself kind of consciousness yeah. anymore exactly and you we're know, kind of part of the safety net for those who are able to come across into the world we want to have to help yeah. them get through the the valley of the shadow of death as i said in my email well, you know, it's interesting, too, because, you know, this world is a mind-created construct. I mean, I think, you know, when I was talking about the paradigm split, when Source told me about it, what was happening, you know, and we were going to do a workshop in Ireland about it, you know, what it Source said to me was, and don't forget to tell them there is no world. And it's like, yeah. there is no world. You know, the world we see outside is just the projection of mind. Okay, the real the real world is, is the world of God's love, okay, and our, our spiritual self. So it, it's like, well, once you realize that, you realize what you have to release, which is every belief you've ever had that this world yeah. is real, okay? Yeah. That's your you body. have to act like it's real so that you can do what you're here for. Yeah, yes. It's just a big and, drama. And to forgive yourself for believing it in the first place. <laughs> and in his case he has a lot to forget <laughs> no, but you know i went through this even with my little episode in the hospital right so so here's me going through these dizzy spells for three years now oh god no you poor thing that's terrible yeah I mean, it's been off and on for three years and i've had numerous tests and scans and mris and nobody can ever find anything wrong with me upgrade mate but anyway what what this happened is it started out with a sore throat then it started out with a sore throat that went into my ear and then it, i got this big lump right here and i went to the urgent care and it turned out it was a salivary gland infection right oh so she said to me the easiest way to get rid of that is just go get some sour candy okay so uh -huh. of course i was delighted because i say to my hano well we have to stop at the store and get a bag of jolly ranchers right <laughs> oh damn what a time <laughs> of course, for a diabetic he's thinking you can't eat that it's all sugar right and I said, the doctor told me i have to have it 
<laughs> okay, so I go we go and I get this, and it, and it was better. So this particular night, I wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I'm super dizzy, holding onto the walls to get to the bathroom. Mm. I come back and my ears started just hurting like crazy. But somehow I fell back asleep. I wake up again three hours later. The earache's gone, but I can't hear in this ear. Okay, so I'm, I've totally lost my hearing in this ear. I'm very dizzy still, so I just say to Ahano, all right, I have to go to the hospital. So, of course, he takes me in. It's like 4 in the morning. Oh, God. And, um, you know, in fairness to the emergency staff, of course, they go through the routine questions. Have you been vaccinated, right? <laughs> and I said, no, and I don't want to be. And they both told me, we're right there with you. Okay. In other words, yeah, they were. Goodness. So then what happened is my blood pressure shoots up to crazy, like 250 oh. over 100 something. And they can't get it down. Right. So th this is the reason why I spent five days in the hospital. Okay, they transferred me from the ER to the ICU unit, got this blood pressure drugs, watching me every hour, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and the truth is, is they couldn't get it down for days, right? It was only like the fourth day that they finally got it down to within a, within a normal range for them, which was still like 150-something over, I don't know, 90-something, okay? So anyway, they sent me home with a bunch of blood pressure meds, and a new diabetic medicine, okay. No and, but but you know, I've always been somebody who's everything's got to be organic and healthy and natural. Yeah. But you know what? After I got home from there, I said, I looked at myself and I think, who cares what I take to get this body balanced? <laughs> I, I needed to. I needed it to be balanced. It wasn't balanced. And yeah, I'm on blood pressure medicine and all this now, but it doesn't, I don't care. You know, I'm to the point where my body's only temporary. Anyway, I've done what I can with it. And if this is what works, I found it interesting that it was conventional medicine that was the solution. Okay. Cause I've tried tons of stuff naturally. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, I'm just starting to feel, I mean, I still don't have the hearing in my left ear back. I don't know if I ever will. I still need to see an ear, nose, and throat guy. And that's very disconcerting in terms of being off balance. Um, yeah. But, you know, I realized this, metaphysically when I started to write about this, okay, so what does all this mean to me, this condition? I, and I realized, you know, I'm off balance, right? Clearly, I'm off balance. You know, my my hearing is off. I can't hear. So when I realize my my higher self and my lower self have not integrated. I mean, I really have it separated. That my body's a totally separate thing from my spirit and everything else. Which, in fact, it kind of is. Okay, but on the other hand, I haven't integrated all the events in in my life. We talk about the grief. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had. Some, a few tragedies in my life, but I realized like, like I'm, what was I going to say? There was a point, a connection point within me. And I probably relates to what you're saying, Margaret, where it was an emotional thing that I hadn't reconciled. Okay. Like I realized I'm still holding all this sadness. Okay. Yep. In my lower half, right. Lower half of my body and my stomach and, yep. and my higher, my upper self is okay. 
you know, but the physical, emotional part of me was not okay. So, I mean, I've just said, no, no wonder I'm off balance. I'm trying to balance all this stuff, but I'm not integrated, okay? So I'm just at that place right now, and I'm just going day by day, and I realized we need, I needed a ton of sleep. I mean, I'm sleeping more now than I ever have, and some of it is other activations too, because I was started dreaming that once I, one dream I had I was given a cobra to protect me. Okay, and this cobra was made out of it's like if somebody took citrine crystal and was able to crush it and mold it into something. Wow. So this the cobra was this beautiful citrine cobra. Okay, and then like after I get home, I have another dream that of these two cobra snakes and entwining their like in a lovemaking ritual, right? Their next oh, okay. one. Caduceus. Like the Caduceus. But I realized, okay, so I'm having a little bit of a Kundalini thing going on here too, you know? So, but, but there's some things just going on that I'm just, I'm just watching it all right now. You know, like I don't really have a lot of energy still to do a lot of things. Uh, I'm just kind of getting back to myself and, and just kind of watching the whole process really but i've just resolved the whole drug thing i mean to me like i say okay i'm on i'm on blood pressure medicine now okay if that's what it takes to have me not i didn't have a stroke or anything you know wonderfully no damage to the brain no damage to the heart no damage anywhere in fact the guy who took an out the ultrasound of my heart he gets all done and he looks over to me and he goes, "You have a beautiful heart." And it was like, "Oh, no, that was a sweet thing to say, wasn't it?" <laughs> my homeopath was really good. He helped break all the grief open for me. So I used to describe to him, and it took a long time that I had a well of sadness inside me. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, yeah, and so we worked with that for quite a while. So I just. So that's what's been happening on this end anyway. Um, so I feel like I am going through some sort of a change. I don't really know how I'm going to end up, you know, but um, I'll be it's ready to do end up. Okay. Very, very tiring. All this energetics is very tiring. And it's interesting you saying that all this happened on your left side because I've yeah. been having issues with my left foot for the last couple of years. Yeah, I know. I did think of, of course, you know, you think of the left side and it's your feminine side. And and I thought, well, no, it kind of means that your right brain isn't working properly, right? Um, so I got um, into the whole logical thing, right? Well, maybe I'm not as logical as I should be, or maybe I'm not as grounded as I should be because this the left side of, of, you know, the right operates the left and the left operates the right. It does, yeah. So, you know, of course, I've been through stuff with my mother for years, all that feminine stuff. I've all worked that out and, you know, other lots of other stuff like that. But um, what are you interrupting me for? Okay. He, he's I, hitting me to interrupt I, me. No, I, I, have to, I have to be aware of people who are going to watch and listen to this. Let us ask you, Margaret, by way of drawing this to a conclusion, what would you what do you what do you think is the very is the next step in helping people globally in this way i think partly based on our discussion um 
maybe look at finding some way of setting up local groups that can work together that include folks who can do the open-hearted conversation stuff and folks who can do the the energy healing stuff and, and and just pull it together as a local initiative that works for where you are and make it open to whoever needs it and normalize it in the community right um, that makes sense and, and for, for me the, the the important bit would be to make sure that that they're aware of this kind of thing that's going to happen and and the, the massive grief response to whatever's got whatever happens that they find out about um yeah. so that they can be prepared for it and not overwhelmed by it right right yeah that makes a lot sense. of people wouldn't be able to cope with that level of emotion and yeah. not yeah get i like yeah, i like your suggestion that it would be, happen from a local level because yeah. i think that's where all the healing does happen anyway i mean it's not going to be governmental political no. it's not going to be yeah it's not going to be top down kind of healing no. yeah yeah that makes sense Okay, so that brings us to the end of our session today. We really appreciate Margaret coming on all the way from Australia, but for the last number of years from Wales in the United Kingdom. We appreciate your insights and for touching on a, a very sensitive subject, but one that we all need to be aware of and one that we all need to be ready to help with. So Margaret, thank you so much for being with us today. <laughs> You're a, to be continued. You're a godsend. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on our website at worldofempowerment.com. Don't miss an episode. Hit the subscribe button now.